2: I'm Ron Aaron. Delighted to be here with our co-host, Carol Zernial, a nationally known gerontologist. Serves on the board of the National Council on Aging as its past board chair, executive director of the Wellman Charitable Foundation, and one of the 50 top people in this country named as uh, sensitive to and understanding seniors. Thank that you. would be you.
3: That, that, thank you very much.
2: That's the shorthand. That,
3: that's, that's the shorthand. Well, um, I am looking forward to our guest today talking about her book on dementia.
2: Carol Howell. Carol
3: Howell.
2: We talked to her briefly off the air. She has a great sense of humor.
3: And you're, you're really going to enjoy her.
2: She's coming up in just a couple of moments. But first, as they say, uh, so how do you, Carol Zerniel, keep your mental focus?
3: Well, th- keeping our mental focus, this was really an interesting article that came out of AARP that we have entered an era where different people are of different ages are going to have different brains. They're going to be wired differently Wow! because of technology, which is kind of fascinating to think about it. So on average, in case you didn't know, the average American touches their smartphone and checks things 2,617 times a day. So what wow. that means is that they're, we, the younger generation is switching back and forth between tasks. They're working, they're playing, they're doing other things, checking their phone, <laughs> you know, checking their Facebook, checking whatever. Um, and the brain learns how to switch back and forth. So y- younger people are really good at mul- not, I say multitasking, sort of multitasking.
2: I've seen many with Two and three phones. Two and three phones. And they're not drug dealers, to yeah, the best of my knowledge. and it's not like a
3: bingo card. But the problem is not. So that's advantage younger people. Advantage older people. Older people have more focused attentiveness. So if you look at the um, people in their 50s and 60s, we're very good at motivating ourselves to stay focused. Does that sound like a young person you know? It doesn't <laughs> sound like any young people you know. <laughs> so motivated attention compared with younger adults means less mind-wandering Um, So, you know, what they found is that when you set your phone to have those alarms to go off, when there's some news piece or you got a text message, that little sound that tells you something's come in, that it takes time for you to get back on track. And it's particularly harder for younger people, whereas older people can block out Mm -hmm. the distractions, get to work, and do complex thinking, so there, there's this, you know, there's some, a body of research building that shows that when you only get little bits of information, that you have a more difficult time processing long, complex pieces of information. So think USA Today, if you remember newspapers, think USA Today versus New York Times.
2: Big bite, small bite.
3: Big bite, small bites. So I think that's interesting. And that might, you know, help as you're going along your day interacting with other people, thinking about how their brain is working compared to yours.
2: Exactly. And it
3: might be an age technology difference.
2: In recent months, there has been more profanity on radio, television, and in print than ever before. When I first got into radio, not only were there the seven words you could never say, there were a whole lot of more words you should never say, and you didn't say, and you didn't say. Now the question comes: Is a clean mind good for your health?
3: Well, that you know, that's uh, exactly what I was thinking when I read this headline again from the AARP Bulletin, um, and what they're really talking about isn't dirty words, <laughs> but it's really the garbage, mm. leftover, residual mm. physical waste. In your brain, so we know what happens with other parts of our body and waste. Yes, yes, we've all had health class. Um, but our brains actually, you know, consume twenty-five percent of our energy. And what they found out, and if you will practice this, and maybe you have practiced this, Ron, you know what clears our brain is sleeping. So by getting in a, you know, horizontal position, and sleeping on your left side is even better than sleeping on your right side because of the way your circulation works, no. but, you know, you can let that go. The main thing is that sleeping is the single best way to clear debris out of your brain and reduce your risk of getting dementia because if you don't ever clear the waste out of your brain, it builds up. You know, you hear about plaques and tangles, and they're suspected to have a key in Alzheimer's. And, and you know, there's a, a neurologist and sleep specialist, Dr. Uh, Christopher Winter, and he's the author of Sleep Solution, and you know, I can tell a difference when I get, and and probably most of us can, when you get enough sleep and when you don't in your thinking ability, particularly if you're getting older, um, as some of us are.
2: Hold that thought, because if you've just joined us, I want to remind you, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer with Ron Aaron, that's me, and Carol Zerniel. Sleeping on your left side is how I try to sleep. It, I hadn't thought about why. Well,
3: sleeping on your side, you know, kind of fetal position, yeah, curled left up, side. left side. That's the single best way for the circulation and to clear. Interesting. But um, if you have twitchy legs, sleeping on your left side causes the twitching. If you have restless leg syndrome like I do, and so I can never sleep on my left side. Wow. But good sleep is the bottom line.
2: Then don't take a water pill. <laughs>
3: Enough said.
2: Enough said, exactly. Enough said. Let's talk about reducing the risk for Alzheimer's. I
3: know that sounds like, you know, we had a lot of dementia. um, Well, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, But this was interesting because so many of us worry. And if you're a caregiver and you're caring for someone with dementia, you're really (laughs) worried about it. So we're talking about dementia and reducing the risk because so many of us worry about it. Um, And really, you know, there are different culprits in, in thinking about developing dementia. And how do you reduce your risk? One is checking out, you know, what are your genes? Do you have a predisposition? There's a gene called APOE, which sounds technical, but there is a test for it. Um, And if, when you look at people that have Alzheimer's, most people that have Alzheimer's have this particular gene, um, and if you Mm -hmm. have, both parents have had Alzheimer's and you have this gene, you know, that's even more people. So if you have Alzheimer's that run in your family, genes are not your destiny, um, and so you really need to have a healthy lifestyle. You wanna maximize environment because the genetic pool is going against you. So the main thing there is keeping exercising and maintaining good cholesterol um, when you're fighting the genes that cause Alzheimer's. And that's according to a very large German study. So that's that. Um, and if, you know, uh, one, another cause of Alzheimer's or dementia can be a head injury in your past. So if you got knocked out for 30 minutes or longer, like a big car accident, you could be a candidate for dementia later on. Mild head trauma doesn't matter, so don't fall don't have a car accident. I don't know how much control we have over these Falls things. are a
2: huge risk for seniors.
3: Well they are. You know another big risk for dementia is diabetes. Um, there's a huge link between really? diabetes and dementia because uh, when you get too much uh, glucose building up in your brain and it does cause um, you know excess blood sugar harms your blood vessels in your brain and they do go hand in hand. So that's a risk. Smoking is a risk for everything Smoking is a risk for everything.
2: I can't believe some people still smoke.
3: Well, you know what was it? As the Cooper Institute physician said, if you're still smoking, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, (laughs) it's addictive. Um, So you become healthier within six months of quitting smoking, and that's going to cut your risks. So do that. Uh, You know, you just uh, keep keeping exercising and and living a healthy lifestyle as always. Best best is your best friend.
2: Now, there's good news for guys four advantages retired men have?
3: Well, this one really caught my eye from Next (laughs) Avenue. You mentioned Next Avenue earlier. And it said four advantages retired men have. So immediately I'm thinking over women. These men have advantages over women. And um, that's not the case. This really is men retiring today versus men retiring back in the day um, so there was this was a group of folks, authors, and they researched um, men currently age sixty two and hundred to talk about retirement. And so here are the advantages if you were to retire today, Ron. These are your advantages. I'm ready. One is technology, because your grandfather didn't have technology, not to mention his um, pharmacy burning down. Uh, <laughs> that was my uncle. Oh, that was Joe. your uncle Your uncle's pharmacy brand Yeah, out. He didn't have technology But, you know, people So while only 17% of people over 80 have smartphones Like 82% of men over 62 wow. have smartphones Which means they have information, games, <laughs> distractions All kinds of things in the palm of their hand And that's an advantage That's a plus It's a connection that they can have to a lot of different things uh, Medical advantage um, as someone who uh, you may know that you can get joints replaced and have different kinds of surgeries.
4: <laughs> I got that new <laughs> knee. <laughs>
3: and so, you know, we're not always trying to extend life. We're actually trying to replace some parts and keep you going better. Um, and that's uh, different than in back in the day.
2: A couple months ago, sitting at a local restaurant, had my cane with me, which I was using then. And a uh, guy behind me said, Hey, see, it uh, looks like you got a new knee. I said, Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. He said, Well, I've got two new knees, a new hip, and another one coming.
3: There you go. Brent. One upsmanship. Well, this particular article talked about a wise 92 year old because, you know, getting things replaced doesn't necessarily mean you don't have aches and pains as you get older. Right. But he said, Pain is not the same as suffering. So when you hit the suffering, it may be time for surgery. Pain, you know, you can learn to live with that. Um, they talked about the visibility advantage. When everyone's an old man or an old woman, 20% of the population, you're not so invisible. You have buying power. So that's different. Um, And then the last one is, you know, if you're a retired man, you may have gone your whole life without that big social network, without taking time to stop and smell the roses and that traditional male role. And so right now, retiring is that time to explore your creative side, your social side, um, and you may not have ever had that advantage before.
2: And there are more women than men out there at that age. <laughs> that's right. So, so there you go. You that,
3: maybe that's an advantage. It's e- not in the story. Y- you never know. You never know.
2: Well, up next, we talk with Carol Howell about her experience with dealing with Alzheimer's. Talks about her mama. She calls her mama. That's right. And we're going to hear everything you want to know and a whole lot more about managing dementia in a relative. I'm Ron Aaron with Carol Zernio. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Here is your chance to lace it up for seniors the annual 5K or 2.5K run walk for the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Saturday, May 19th, Mission County Park. Just go to WellMedGives.org to register. WellMedGives.org 100% of the money raised goes to support seniors and caregivers in our community. And here's a special treat. The program is capped with a post-race performance by Flaco Jimenez. By the way, seniors 60 and over and kids 10 and under are free. The Run Walk for Seniors, sponsored by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron, and I hope to see you there. It is an absolute incredible event with food, music, a kids' play area, Even pets are welcome. So bring Fido or Kitty on a leash for the Run Walk for Seniors 5K or 2.5 on May 19th. Mission County Park. Be there. Well, as we have been promising, we've got a very, very special guest joining us now. Carol Howell, whose book, Let's Talk Dementia is a very special look at dementia and ways in which Carol, as a life coach, can help folks understand how the brain works and how we can deal with folks who are developing cognitive disorders. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel and we've got two Carols. Carol Howell, thanks for joining us.
4: Well, thank you very much um, to you and Carol both. I'm excited to be here. Well, what
2: is it that got you interested in dementia, writing about it, talking about it?
4: Yeah, good question, Um, and it's an emotional question for me because really my journey started when the phone call came through in in October of 2006 that my mama had been diagnosed with dementia, and I had taken her to the doctor a couple times before and really didn't get anywhere, and finally the diagnosis came through that she had dementia, and the doctor told me not to worry about it, that everything was going to be okay because he was going to call her into medication. And that was the day I knew, "Mm, my world just changed with that phone call because my grandmother, her mother, had dementia, and the medication that was supposed to help my mama was certainly not helping grandma. So that's when my journey began that day.
3: Well, I think that you may have been right to be (laughs) suspect that everything was going (laughs) to be fine with medication.
4: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm standing there thinking... You know, if this is so easily solved, why is it not working for everybody else? And why am I supposed to believe this is going to work for Mama? And that's when I began doing what all good Americans do, and they want to know something. If you Google it, because you know if it's on the internet, it's true, right? right absolutely. <laughs> it's gospel is it, but yes. And so I was so thrilled to find out there was this thing called a reversible dementia. Got so excited. I'm a girl of faith. I'm just pray, please, Lord. Any of those reversibles is fine with me, but, see, we got to get Mama back to work because Mama was the top salesperson everywhere she worked, and with every paycheck, her and I both needed something fun. And if she needed new jeans, I needed new jeans whether I even knew it or not. <laughs> so Mom had to get back to work a girl needed new jeans you know what I'm talking about that's right
3: that's right so what was what was mama doing that made her go get an Alzheimer's diagnosis in the first place yeah
4: good question well I had been noticing for a while mama having a lot of forgetfulness Um, but at that time also mama was on painkillers for back pain and, um, the painkillers were not helping the back pain. And she got irritated at me because I told her, I will not take you for any more back injections. I'm not having anything to do with it because it's not working. And so she came off of all that. The back actually got better, but the confusion didn't. And that's when I'm like, okay, Houston, we got a problem. And somebody's going to find out what this problem is now rather than later. So that's what started it. So what
2: did you do? You, you mentioned that uh, Google has the answer to everything. <laughs> As you began your journey, how did you self-educate?
4: Well, truly, I did Google a lot, and I did read a lot. And the more I read, the more I thought, there's so much conflicting information out there that I need something a little more concrete than what I'm getting. So um, I began taking some courses and attending a lot of seminars, reading and reading and reading and reading. And the more I read the more I thought, I need to write this down because i got to keep this track in my brain because Mama's number one. You know, I mean, I have to take care of Mama. And as I would write these things down each day, um, it began, began to form into a book kind of uh, process. You know, this is kind of looking like a book. And then I would go out into the community where my Mama had been later moved, and I would see other people interacting with their loved ones in ways that were exactly opposite of everything I was learning you were supposed to do. And I'm thinking, people don't know, you know, because you're not taught this. It's not a class that you take in school, and it's not something you just learn because you exist on this planet. It's somebody's got to teach good caregiving. And that's when I thought, that might be my new bit, my new job. I'm not sure, but I'm thinking... I'm feeling a push in that direction.
3: So how long did you um, care for your mother with Alzheimer's?
4: Still am. Mama was diagnosed in October 2006, and I'm still caregiving. Mama's um, Alzheimer's has advanced to the um, the last stages. She is very, very confused. Um, I was there this morning. So there's my memory care, and it's very close to me. And, um, Mama does mornings better than afternoons and evenings because of severe sundowning. And so I have taken on the responsibility of bathing Mama in the mornings. Um, two mornings a week, I bathe her just so I can have time with Mama in the mornings. And then the other days, I do lunch with her. So my caregiving journey is still very much involved with Mama, and I'm happy it is. I don't look forward to the day that it's not.
3: well, that's that's um, it's yeah. great that you you have that time. And you know there are a lot of people yeah. that would say, "Wow, you know, twelve years." Uh, from diagnosis to to mm-hmm. today, and you're still involved wow. in caregiving. That's kind
2: of a long mm-hmm. road. Now, your husband had a brain injury back in the early yeah. '90s. But what yeah. was what was that all about?
4: Oh, my goodness. Um, that was uh, a life-changing event, too. One, I, I had a realtor friend ask me one time, did any in my, my family ever just do normal things, you know, like get their appendix <laughs> removed or tonsillitis?" I'm like, no, we go big or we go home, let me tell you. <laughs> now, my husband, he worked for a very well-known computer company. That's all I'm going to say. You can probably guess. And he went to work one day and um, had put his stuff in his office, had to go to the bathroom and fell between the door and the toilet. And they found him lying there unconscious, took him to the hospital, called me, and I went. And he smelled so horrible. I'm like, what is on his clothes? He had only been to work like three minutes when this happened. And they said, we don't know. They got his clothes off of him. We sent his clothes off to be tested and found out he had actually slipped on chemicals that someone had decided uh, the best way to get rid of them quickly was to flush them and they spilled them. They dripped them from the door to the toilet, and wow. he hit them. Yeah, and so when he fell, it was all over his clothes, and he later came to in the emergency room, and I was there by the end, and he looked at me and did not know who I was, and as that story progressed, um, Michael, my husband, lost four years of his memory that he's never regained, and during that time, we moved. We had a child, and Um, Well, he later did remember having a child. He thought she was 18 months old, and in fact, she was almost six, so he thought she was still 18 months old. But we moved, he got a new car, the dog had turned into a cat, and his engineering degree had turned into a programming degree, and he did not remember any of that. And so even to this day, he deals with a lot of side effects from that and um, about two years ago left his job that he um, a, a, actually a much less paying job than he'd ever had because of his injury. He'd worked his job for a while. He left it, and he is now working with me, helping me to educate about dementia because he can talk about it firsthand because when he's tired, when he's tired, yeah, the brain's not working good for him. and That's when I tell everybody I talk him into everything I want when he's tired.
2: <laughs> We're going to hear more of this story in just a moment if you've just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host Carol Zurnil and we are talking with Carol Howell on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline.
3: So you have kind of a unique perspective. I only know a few people that can look at the one hand and say this is Alzheimer's and look on the other hand and say this is a traumatic brain injury and not that Mm -hmm. I envy you to have both. But, could you you know do you talk when you're you know coaching caregivers about the difference between the two or the or the similarities?
4: Well, I talk both, but it's very interesting the similarities, and the similarities is the reason everything I do is called let's talk dementia rather than let's talk Alzheimer's or let's talk traumatic brain injury because the dementia that's coming off of these is very similar, whereas the reason for them. Uh, It was very different, but the definitely the similarities in the dementia that um, I saw with my husband while he was going through 18 months of eight hours a day, five days a week, brain therapy, literally going for therapy for his brain, therapy for his eyes because the communication between his eyes and his brain was affected. So the dementia I saw then was very similar to what I was dealing with with my mom, but his, fortunately began to change and his symptoms become less and less while my mom's symptoms were becoming more and more and so but there definitely was a similarity but then the difference being the reason and what was going on in my husband's brain and, and the, the um, brain stem being what was damaged in his head and not his entire brain whereas with my mom with Alzheimer's her entire brain is being affected and so that affects her life differently than what my husband has experienced and still experiences to some effect we talk about it it's for sure it's an interesting story and then on top of all of that during that time it's kind of funny you got a giggle in life i'm just going to tell you but we had a miniature dachshund who would had back surgery and all kinds of issues and he would get up in his old wheelchair and go to a room and he would stand there and then he'd go huh. And I said, and then and we'd walk back to the room and do nothing. And I said to the veterinarian, that's why he's doing that. He said, honey, your dog is 14 years old. He has dementia. I said, of course my dog has dementia. Why <laughs> why everybody everybody else does. Why not <laughs> the dog? Why not the dog? It was the sound <laughs> standard going. He did not just say that to me. I said, are you serious? He goes, no, I'm very serious. He says, your dog gets up and he goes into the room and he can't remember what he's in the room for and it's frustrating him. <laughs> like, so he goes, cow. his
3: hump. He <laughs> goes and sits He does a hump. He <laughs> wow. sits down. Do you
4: remember the show um, uh, with Jessica Fletcher, Murder, She Wrote, where everywhere sure. Jessica Fletcher went, somebody died. Well, that's Carol. You don't want to hang around because everybody has to hang <laughs> Everybody gets head.
2: Like, Some sort of head problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Stay with us just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking with Carol Howell, her book, Let's Talk Dementia. Uh, she's also got a couple of other books out, one. Mama is Confused, and So Am I. And then the book that we'll talk about, If My Body is a Temple, Why Am I Eating Donuts? You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to Well Med Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner, What can folks learn from WellMed Radio?
1: You know,
3: we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life.
2: And it's something that uh, you're, you're newer to WellMed Radio and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio?
3: Well... I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home.
2: Nurse practitioner at Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 930 a.m. The Answer. Be There. We're talking with Carol Howell on the Caregiver SOS on-air hotline. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zernio. Started up talking about her book, Let's Talk Dementia. Uh, You've also written a couple of others, and one of them clearly caught my eye, Carol, and that is, if my body is a temple, why am I eating donuts? What's the answer? What's the answer to that?
4: (laughs) Oh, I can tell you why we eat donuts. They're good. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, that's the truth Do I hear an amen? Well, I mean, they're just that, good
3: That's why we eat them Yeah, I, amen <laughs> So so I'm just thinking that you're an overachiever Or someone with a sugar high That you can have had everything Your husband with traumatic brain injury Your mother and your dog with dementia And you've written three books? Uh,
4: written five books Five only books, see? My, yeah, only, I've got two I've never done anything with They just kind of hang around the house and look cute Yeah, the um, If if My Body is a Temple, Why Am I Eating Donuts is not a book about dementia. It was actually written before anything about dementia entered my world. And um, it was written because I do everything from a faith perspective, and I wondered in my process of having lost 100 pounds, and i was so excited about that, and I'm still pleased about that, I wondered if there was ever a time that the Lord looked down on me and wondered why I hadn't done it beforehand. What took me so long? And what did he think about the fact that I carried extra weight? Did it matter to him? Did he care if I had my hair dyed? Because I had it dyed one time, and when I went to church, a guy walked into Sunday school pointed at me and cracked up laughing. So that made an impact on my world. And so I wondered about, you know, what does the Bible say about these kinds of things? So I pursued learning about it. So I did a 90-day devotional that is geared towards the body, The physical self, what and what I believe Scripture has to say about those things. I'll tell you, I gave our pastor a copy of it, and he never commented, so I don't know if that's good or bad. I (laughs) think, think
2: the answer is God is responsible for the light in the Krispy Kreme window.
4: Oh, man, that would be evil right there. <laughs> my dad would travel across town. He would tell my mom, get in the car. We've got to go Krispy Kreme, the light and the window's on. She goes, how do you know? It's 15 miles away. He said, well, we just need to go see. Yeah, really. Uh-huh. It might be.
3: It might it be, could it be on. It might be on. It could
4: be. You could not risk that it was on and you did not know. <laughs> well, um, it sounds like that you
3: interact with other people, other caregivers. You're coaching. You're, you're teaching caregiving, which, you know, we do have parenting classes, for new parents but there yes. are not that many classes for family mm-hmm. caregivers so you know what what is it that you communicate and what do you see what are the big trends what do you what are, when the caregivers yes. come to you what are their biggest needs
4: well i'll tell you the the very first thing that i ask and I, I can 99 times out of 100 tell you the answer i always ask them what type of dementia does your loved one have and 99 times out of 100 they'll go I don't know, or regular old-age dementia. And I'm like, really? Because, see, that's like reg- regular old-age cancer. There isn't one. And they're like, well, the doctor just told me it was dementia, and they prescribed Aricept. And so when I talk to them about, we sort of kind of need to know why your loved one has dementia, because there's this thing called a reversible dementia, and we do not need to be on Aricept if we have a reversible dementia. What we need to be doing is reversing it, Right. And um, they're like, you're kidding the doctor never told me this. So that's always my first point of reference with folks. And then helping them to understand good caregiving techniques, the things that you can do that will make your life better, like entering the world of your loved one and never arguing with them and never giving them bad news. My mama lives on the teacup ride at Disney World, you know. It's a world of laughter. It's just always happy. I never tell her bad news. And helping people to know how that will. Increase the likelihood of happiness in their loved one which is going to make your life as the caregiver happier And well, that's what I'm all about.
3: Well, I made that mistake early in my career um, Working with the Alzheimer's disease initiative in Florida um, I was talking to someone with Alzheimer's and I asked about the daughter and no, it was the son. And the daughter that was in the room said, Oh, you remember, Mama? He got killed in that plane crash. Oh, my word. Oh, and my
4: word. And she burst
3: into tears. <laughs> Right. You know, oh, and I'm like, How long yeah. ago was this? It was like seventeen years before he had been a young no. man, but it was all new to her and she was just beside herself.
2: Because it just happened. Because then. it just
3: happened to her. For it her. just happened. Oh. And so um oh, that was a that was a a real wake up call. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish you had told me about that before I went out there. <laughs>
2: would have been useful. <laughs> no, <it laughs>
3: would have been very yeah. useful. <laughs> wow.
4: I can tell you, in our company, we do education, and then we have another side of our company where we do creative music, creative art, and creative play, and creative dance with folks who have cognitive issues. We offer all of those. And one of the questions I ask the family of a new client is, what is it that I need to know about your mom or your dad that I should never, ever bring up? Because, you know, you just assume if they had children that they want to talk about them. That that may not be true for a lot of reasons, so I kind of you know clear that information early. So what do you
3: what do you do with this create? You've got a variety of creative programs. So what
4: does that Mm -hmm. have to
3: do with people that have dementia?
4: Well, such a good question. Um, Well, what we know is when we interact with folks in a way that sparks the right temple lobe and that's that area around the right ear if we can spark that part of the brain then we will see from them less agitation less aggression less chances that they will walk out the door and, and wander down the road and not know where they are and that is important that happens for about two hours after you have introduced to them something that they're interested in um, and i tell folks it has to be something they're interested in for instance it's I'm that individual, don't come sing bluegrass to me. I don't like bluegrass. It's not gonna work for me. You need to come sing some Kenny G or some Gaither Vocal band or huh. you know, some Temptations. I don't like that, the Beach Boys, but not bluegrass. So you need to know that about your client because that right temporal lobe, especially in the life of someone with Alzheimer's type dementia, more so than any other type, that right temporal lobe around the right ear is more intact than any other part of the brain And it's more able to process information than any other part of the brain. Well, if that's true, we should really work with the part of the brain that's the best. And that's why we do those creative things. And so we have all kinds of – we have a whole series we call Creative Fun. And we play Play Play-Doh. And you can take folks with advanced Alzheimer's and give them Play-Doh and sit with them and and cut out the shapes. And they have the best time. And presently I'm developing a game that – it's going to be offered where you can take it and use it in six or eight different ways using colored popsicle sticks. That's the most amazing thing. I'm having the best time figuring out all the different ways we can take colored popsicle sticks and use them with folks with advanced dementia. And they can do it. So they have they have success. They they have entered life, and they were good at it for that amount of time. And that's what I want to do is help them be good at whatever, whatever it is they're experiencing right then.
2: Now, a lot of this is through your company, Senior Life
4: Journeys? Senior Life Journeys, Let's Talk Dementia, is the name of our company, yes.
3: Well, that's kind of the, what you're describing is really sort of new thinking about dementia um, and helps us avoid another issue, which is help, you know, this um, reminiscence therapy. For, for many years, yeah. people with Alzheimer's, we talked about things that happened to them when they were younger, which you can do, but if you go into mm-hmm. that creative space, They can create anything they want. They can tell any story they want. We're not even relying on those memories that are left. We're just entering, you know, a whole new realm, which they're making up something new.
4: That's right. And you've got to realize that sometimes we get to the point that we don't remember those things to talk about. Or maybe we're to the point that Alzheimer's especially has affected the brain such that we may not be verbal anymore, but we can pick up Play-Doh and we know how to roll it out. We can take popsicle sticks and line all the red ones up in a row. We can still do these things. And so that's why it's not just reminiscence therapy. That is a good thing, though, because what would you rather talk about than yourself? You know, we know ourselves, but if we're to the point that we can no longer communicate, we need other ways. Well, uh, give you an example. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Give us an example. Oh, yeah, well, this morning I was with Mama, and Mama. Um, will do anything i ask her to but she had just as soon never for the rest of her life take a bath and uh so i i sweet talk her and talk all kinds of junk to her make her giggle got her in bathing and got out and she was tired and i sat down and i took my phone and i took the headphones not earbuds you don't use earbuds with folks with dementia they've never seen them before and why are you sticking this in my ear this is not good headphones well they've seen those they, those were worn by radio personalities. Years and years ago, they know what those are. Put the headphones on Mama, plugged it to my phone, pulled up her playlist that I have, and put on, um, oh, what's that guy's name? Singing, Put Your Sweet Lips a Little Closer to the phone. That's my mom's song. And she just leaned back in her chair, so nice and relaxed, getting over the stress of her shower, listened to four or five songs. Then I could take it off, talked her into eating breakfast. Worked perfect.
2: So she's a big Jim Reeves fan.
4: Tim Reeves, that's it. Thank you.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. You love that song. <laughs> Thank you to Roland Reeves, our technical director. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: really. I was going to say we went to the we went to the helpline for yeah. that
4: response. <laughs> He's also a
2: musician, so yeah, he knew that one. Uh, he could yeah, probably uh, ten
4: seconds or less. Yeah, uh, he
2: could play that riff right now on his guitar. <laughs> that's
4: right. Well, my mama likes the part where he says, um, "You can tell them no." she so turn the jukebox way down low And she'll take her head And she'll bend it way down low
3: <laughs> Well, I think, you know what, what I love is that You know, it does sound like You and your mama are still having fun um, And mm-hmm. that idea is uh, You know, that it's so, so important The laughter and the fun Who doesn't mm-hmm. want to have fun?
4: Well, that's it And you know, in your life There are two things I can guarantee you in your life will perk you up. One is if you've had a bad day and you're driving down the road and your favorite song comes on the radio, it will perk you up. That's why we do music with folks with dementia. And you can have a bad day and hear a really good joke, and that will perk you up. And that's why we do funny with folks with dementia. And that's also why with caregivers, everything I write, um, our podcast, our YouTube channel, the blog, the books, everything, have humor. Because... What we are traveling is a difficult journey. Even if we're not traveling the journey of dementia, life is difficult. It has a lot of challenges. And when we can laugh and we can release endorphins in the brain that help us feel better, we're going to be better people at everything we do. And we really need to be better people when we're working with our folks with dementia. So that's what I want caregivers to do. And then i like for it to be some kind of humor that they might can go share with their person with dementia. Now, Carol Howell, so, I'll for, tell you,
2: for those who want, want to get a hold of you, for, yeah. those who, for those who want to get a hold of you, how do they do that?
4: Well, thank you for asking that. They can go to Let's letstalkdementia.org. We are a not-for-profit. And there they will find the link to our podcast podcast. Um, the blog, the YouTube channel, um, everything we do is, is there.
3: That sounds like it's very easy. So what's next? Do you have some, besides the popsicle stick? Is, is it the game that yes. you're working on? Is that the, that's yeah. the next thing?
4: Well, that is in the process. I've got several people playing with that, coming up with different ways it can be used until and, and, and refining that process. Um, I have also started a book for those with dementia not for caregivers, and it's a, it is a 60-day devotional. Um, I like to do devotions with my mama, but they're all too hard, and the pictures are not large enough or distinct enough that mama can say, oh, that's a picture of a basket of fruit. You know, It doesn't look like that to her, and, the, and they're too long and too wordy. So I am writing a devotional that is going to have very bold pictures, very short devotions, and then questions that you can ask. Um, for instance, if uh, one of them is about fishermen, you know, fishermen are very common in the Bible. So we would have a picture of somebody sitting on the bank fishing, and then the little devotional, and then question of uh, Did you ever go fishing? Did you enjoy it? You know, things that you can make conversation in with your loved one about. Got to stop is you about halfway done.
2: Got to stop you right there. We look forward to
3: the next book or the next game, whichever comes first.
2: And your website, Carol, if folks want to reach you by the Internet? It's letstalkdementia.org. letstalkdementia.org.
3: Thank you so much for joining Mm -hmm.
2: us. Thanks, Carol.
4: Thank you. You take care. Bye-bye.
2: Up next on Caregiver SOS on Air, Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman. Here is your chance to lace it up for seniors. The annual 5K or 2.5K run walk for the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Saturday, May 19th, Mission County Park. Just go to wellmedgives.org to register. Wellmedgives.org, 100% of the money raised goes to support seniors and caregivers in our community. And here's a special treat. The program is capped with a post-race performance by Flaco Jimenez. By the way, seniors 60 and over and kids 10 and under are free. The Run Walk for Seniors, sponsored by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron and I hope to see you there. It is an absolute incredible event with food, music, a kids' play area, even pets are welcome. So bring Fido or Kitty on a Leash for the Run Walk for Seniors 5K or 2.5 on May 19th. Mission County Park, be there. Thank you for staying with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zernial. Take 10 is next and we're joined by Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert in caregiving and addictions. And one of the things Carol you wanted to talk about is anger.
3: That's right. Yeah, anger. I, I don't know if it's, you know, the the geek in me that was brought out from seeing the most recent Avengers movie. You know, and Jamie, I don't think you're you're come from a geek family the way that I do. Um, but <laughs> For some reason, I wasn't thinking about the Avengers. I was thinking about a very old Star Trek movie that's not even one of the favorites of any of the fans, I don't think, where it's one of the last of the original cast, and Spock's brother shows up, and he takes away everybody's anger except Captain Kirk's. Everybody's going all mellow. They don't care that the— Enterprises being destroyed. They don't care about all the stuff going around because they've gotten rid of all their negative emotions, especially their anger. And Captain Kirk won't let the brother touch him or do any of his voodoo on him because he says, I need my anger. My anger makes me who I am. It gives me the impetus to do things. I need my anger. Um, sorry, that's a very poor Captain Kirk impression. But, you know, is there what is it about anger? Do we need our anger? If we don't have anger, do we have happiness? Um, for caregivers, that seems to be an emotion that pops up a lot. And I'm just wondering about the role of anger in our lives.
5: Well, I am a Star Trek geek, just so you know. And Captain Kirk did need his anger. In fact, that was the hallmark of his personality. Uh, it's what really drove him. And to your question... Yes, even in Captain Cook and the rest of the world, anger is completely normal, truly normal, and it's actually usually healthy, if you will. And it's a human emotion that we just have. And uh, it's when things get out of control and anger turns destructive, where it can lead to all the problems one has, and and with personal relationships destroy them, and, and and basically affect overall the quality of our lives. So this is where we have anger management, sort of. Interventions that allow us, if you will, to 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 get inside of ourselves and 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 understand the anger and be able to displace it in a way that is not so dysfunctional.
2: Now, anger is one of those things we all think we know what it is, but what is it? How do you define well,
5: it? It's an yeah. It's, it, I, I, listen, that's a great question. I, I think it's an emotional state that that basically varies in how in intensity. Um, from mild like irritation in people to intense fury and rage. Um, in that intense fury and rage, there usually is a lot of other psychological symptoms and things in our upbringing that really sets the foundation of whether it is a mild irritation or whether it's fury and rage. Uh, it also is, and we'll never forget this as caregivers, anger could be something that not necessarily is outside of us, but can be within, meaning anger turned inward is depression, and the ultimate on the scale, anger turned outward, is homicide. So the scale is, if you will, the 0 to 10 is anywhere from suicide to homicide, and somewhere in the middle of all that is, oddly enough, that emotional state that is quite, quite beneficial if if we learn how to work with it.
3: Well, you said something I don't want to get lost, that part about that anger turned inward is depression, because I don't think a lot of people equate that anger and depression piece.
5: They do, and you're right, they don't, but they do actually display it often, and you can see this depression this malaise, if you will, coming in the form of shame and sort sort of guilt, and that's where caregivers really, really are are like the quintessential group that turns that anger inward, and it does come out in in ways that detaches them and desensitizes them, if you will, and isolates them from not only their loved one but from the rest of the world as well.
3: Well, we had we were talking with a book author that had journaled her parents' decline with the with Alzheimer's, and the word she kept using over and over again was feeling guilty that she was spying, that somehow she was doing something wrong in, you know, really keeping an accurate track of what was going on in the home. You know, she's trying to be factual, um, but she felt horrible about doing it.
5: Oh, we're our own worst enemy in that way. We are judge, jury, and hangman, for sure. And that's why it's interesting to note that, you know, the opposite, if you will, or the antidote, I should say, to, to the self-esteem of the caregiver that's suffering from this anger is, is how to take care of oneself. Meaning, if you take care of yourself, two feet on the ground, build your self-esteem. Psychologically, that's tied to that guilt. So the guilt gets less when the self-esteem gets greater. And the guilt gets higher when the self-esteem is lower. That's why it's so important uh, that we take care of ourselves in this process.
3: So the first thing we learn about anger is count to ten. If we're feeling angry, count to ten. That's like, you know, 101 anger management. It, what, why did we say that?
5: Well, it's always good to have it. That's mindfulness, if you will. In, in that ten, that zero to the ten that you're describing – if you can actually breathe in for three seconds, uh, keep it in your head, that breath, for three seconds, and then take the last four seconds of that zero to ten and blow out, you'll see that's the mindfulness that can stand between us and a totally actionary sort of piece of anger that will get us in deep trouble, like sending that email or sending that terrible errant text that you, you know, that can change anything.
3: And I think I think the entire journalistic community needs to count to ten mm. <laughs> on both sides of the aisle. Okay, I that was my editorial.
5: <laughs> I do too, but that, and that is really because
3: everybody's so point. angry. you know, when you walk past the TV, it's everybody's angry.
5: It is, and it's polarizing this anger. And of course, in our own political system, we can actually label it, unfortunately, into some dogmatic sort of party, or you, know, you can label it in some religious way, and then it becomes really the anger that speeds that sort of profile. So you're right, though, the mindfulness is in that. I'm just throwing the mindfulness is, because that's what your 10 seconds of breath work is about, Is a real you know, doorway, if you will, how to deal with this anger.
3: So... Um... Let's go back to Captain Kirk for a second, because...
2: As we do that,
4: let's remind folks, they're listening (laughs) to Take 10.
3: and and Uh, It's not a movie. It's not a Star Trek
2: Caregiver SOS on air. Carol Zerniel, Dr. Jamie Heisman, Ron Aaron, back to Captain Kirk. Back to Captain Kirk,
3: who said he needed his anger, and you said it was part of his personality. So what's the upside of anger?
5: Well, the upside of anger for Captain Kirk and for anybody who acts like him is he gets it out. I mean, that's the beauty of it. He gets it out, as opposed to holding it in. And holding it in has medical and psychological ramifications. It also has behavioral ramifications, because holding in anger creates a a passive aggressiveness. It creates that quiet, sort of detached, irritable feeling that you're not going to express it. You're not going to put it on the table. And instead, it's going to really control you instead of you being able to control
2: it. That's the scenario. I'm sorry.
5: I'm
2: sorry. And I was going to say it's the scenario you see in so many marriages.
0: Well, it's, Carol, what,
2: what's, something's bothering you. What, what is it? Let's talk about it. Nothing's bothering me. I'm fine. Well, I can see it's bothering you. Nothing is bothering me. Right?
5: right? And that's why fine is freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Just what you said. It's, a, it's the acronym that allows us to get grumpy, get irritable, and instead of expressing this, which is so vital, and, for, and I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a hypocrite in this respect, because what you just described, Ron, was is really my therapeutic challenge, and that is to get easily angered and then allow myself to get more quiet and detached, just like you described.
3: See, in the whole time you were talking, I was thinking, being continuing on my Star Trek theme for this show yeah. about about Mister Spock and how he really does have a lot of anger because he's not really Vulcan, and every once in a while he gets to explode.
5: He does, and if you remember, let's be real geeks about it, when he had his hands on the Horda, and he had the pain of the ages of the Horda, and he was able to take all of its anger and all of its pain and facilitate it, and to talk to everybody with that horde, which was feeling. We're gonna, I know that that's a real geek, geeky response.
3: We're going like to air this particular episode of the next Comic-Con. You know, maybe we'll get an invitation <laughs> to um, talk, and they'll be like, why aren't you talking about the Avengers?
2: And we are flat out of time. <laughs> so the key to a caregiver In is to uh, understand your anger. And
5: get it get it out of the way. Get a therapist. And get angry with your therapist and let them reflect it back to you.
2: Call Jamie.
5: <laughs> yeah, call me. Right. anytime.
2: Hey, thank you. We'll do this again. A L- little bit of anger can go a long way. This is Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on Air. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zerniel, Ron Aaron. We'll do it again next time around. And remember, podcasts of all of our shows are available as well, and you can share them with a neighbor. Caregiver SOS on Air comes to you on 930 AM. The answer.
1: You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on Air presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net and join your hosts Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM The Answer.